really read the Word of God tonight? How many of you are really going to concentrate on what you're reading? Let's begin verse number 12 again. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Oh, I like this. He delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, I want us to look at how they occupied. Because all of them occupied in different manner. Some people think that this statement, Occupy till I come, just means I'm hanging on till Jesus comes. Hold the fort, for I am coming. I'm not holding the fort. I'm charging. I'm going after it. Some people think that that scripture in the Bible that says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, that means that the church is leaning up against its gate and every devil in hell is assailing uh, that, that gate and you're just saying, Oh God, if I can just hold this gate shut till Jesus comes. That's not what that scripture means. What that scripture means is that the devil has got every devil in hell up against the gates of hell. And they're saying, boy, if I can just hang on to this, those saints are about to bust this door down. There's fixing to be a revival in this city. We got to keep this door closed, folks. Hallelujah. And he's saying that about your family. Dear God, there's fixing to be a revival in this family. I got to keep this man discouraged. I got to keep him busy. I got to keep him carnal. Because if he ever starts praying, dear Lord, he's going to turn this neighborhood upside down. Come on, devils. Come on. You got to help me. They're fixing to bust this door down. <laughs> Occupy till I come. Now, I'm not going to get on this either, but that word occupy, if you look at it in the Greek, it is a military term, which means that you have seized a plot of property from the enemy, and it's up to you to hold that which you have seized from the enemy. Now, how, do you think that the enemy is going to sit there without a counterattack? No way. Some of you already know that when you seize that property from the enemy, that he's going to counterattack. But God is telling you to hold that territory that God has given you. I'm not going to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself said, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now that doesn't mean be violent towards people, but that means look the devil eyeball to eyeball and said, This is my territory, Bubba, and I'm not backing up from you, and I'm not walking away from this. I will pray and I will fast until I know that God has secured this territory for my life. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise God. Occupied till I come. Verse number 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him. Which servants? The servants that received the ten talents. Now there were ten servants and there were ten talents. So how many talents was given to each servant? One. They all received the same proportion. Every one of them got the same proportion. Hallelujah. 
And he called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know. Oh man, I want you to understand. That he might know how much every man had what? Had what? Had what? Gained by trading. I wish I could just preach on trading tonight. Somebody says, when I come to the Lord, I had to give up this. And I had to give up that. And I had, no, I traded it, Bubba. I didn't get, I, I didn't give up anything. I got delivered of a whole lot of stuff. And the Lord replaced it with something that's ten times as great. Hallelujah. Verse number 16, then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. <laughs> that's a, what is that, a thousandfold? That's a pretty good percentage. Hallelujah. Is that right? Is it a hundredfold? Hundredfold? Well, that's still good. Praise God. A hundred percent. Praise God. I want to live for God a hundred percent. Praise God. And verse number 17, listen to what the master did to him. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in, every, in a very little have thou authority over ten cities. Everybody wants to rule. Brother Westberg just preached for us recently and he said, I know the best way in the world to get people to come out to peanut brittle. Just make peanut brittle on the platform and you'll have everybody in the church. They'll wanna, they, everybody wants to be on the platform. So if you make peanut brittle on the platform, you'll get everybody in the church out to make peanut brittle. You know, we like the limelight, but I want to tell you, you can't rule unless you're faithful. Verse number 18, and the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. That's pretty good. That's 50% increase. And he said, likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came to him, saying, listen to this. You can hear his attitude. Lord, behold here is thy pound. <laughs> Which I have kept laid up in a napkin. <laughs> For I fear thee. Because thou art an austere man. And thou takest up that that thou layest not down. And reapest thou that it is not so. Listen to what the master says unto him. And he saith unto him. I want you to know this is a powerful statement that Jesus said. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Get your mouth talking straight. Did you know that God has made this city, the, the, this church, the light of this city? We can shape this city if we'll talk the will of God. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Thou wicked servant, thou knewest that I was an austere man taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow? Wherefore then gavest thou not my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? What he was saying is, if you couldn't do it, why didn't you put it in somebody's hand that could? And that's exactly what he does with it. Read on. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. Wow, that is radical doctrine, but that is the words of Jesus Christ. That don't fit in our social gospel of today, does it? 
That don't fit in our welfare society, society today, does it? You know, everybody talks about Jesus being a welfare pusher, a person. Hogwash! He is a wise steward with that that He has given His church. You better get your nose back in the Bible and see what Jesus teaches. Hallelujah. And I'm not opposed to all of these social programs. I'm not preaching the social gospel tonight. I'm just relating that because you can relate because you live in a world of, of, of socialism. Praise God. And he, and he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. And he said, For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. Hallelujah. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Lord, I thank you for your work tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would anoint us in these next few minutes to reach and to touch the hearts of these people through the anointed word of God. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I want to preach to us for a little while tonight on this subject the talent. The talent. Um, have you, you know, I, I am forever amazed to watch people come into God's kingdom. And, um, and, and watch the level that they either sink to or that they either rise to. You've heard the statement, it is a, it is a, known statement that water seeks its own level and and you can always tell what kind of a person the spirit has by watching who they associate with in the church when they get saved hallelujah you can find out how much holy ghost they really got by just watching who they become buddy buddy with when they get saved hallelujah and if they haven't got all of that dissent and all of that contrary Attitude out of them, they'll find people that can always pick and find fault with everything in the church. And on the other hand, if they've really got prayed through and God has really delivered them in a great manner, they'll be right up here on the front row, boy. And I mean, they'll just be a singing and a shouting and a talking in tongues and a loving God. And, 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 and it is just amazing to watch what this gospel does to people. But even... Something that is more amazing to me is to watch what people do with this gospel. I want you to know this gospel that we have is precious. Now I could yell and scream and spit and do 95 mile an hour tonight and you could walk out of here and not know one thing that I said. Or I can slow this down and I can preach what God has laid on my heart and maybe some of you will understand what God has given you when He has filled you with this gospel. The book of Revelations calls this the everlasting gospel. There's not going to be another gospel after this gospel. You better take advantage of this gospel while it's around here for you to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. The word gospel means the good news. What is the good news? That God sent His Son into this world. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. I preached on everlasting life and everlasting destruction in my church the other day. And, and I want to tell you something. There are so many things about this temporal life that I enjoy. I cannot imagine how great everlasting life really is going to be. You know, some people live in misery while they're in this life. But I don't. I enjoy living. I love to live. Every day that I wake up, I say, God, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for the breath that I breathe. I thank you for this home that you have given me. Can you imagine what everlasting life's going to be like if you really enjoy this? You ain't seen anything yet. Pardon the grammar. You haven't seen anything yet. Praise God. And so this gospel. Now what is this gospel? I'm not, I'm not going to get into this tonight. But I want to tell you what this gospel is. The Bible teaches us that it is. Jesus said if ye love me. Keep my commandments. And another place he said my sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. Praise God. And in another place he said. The eyes of this world is blinded. But those who are my sheep, who are my disciples, they see. In another place, he said that he spake in parables so that it might be fulfilled. Having eyes, they see not. Having ears, they hear not. They cannot comprehend. Now, why did Jesus do that? Some people think that he did that because he didn't want people to be saved. That is not the truth. Why Jesus did that is really an act of mercy. Because you are judged by what revelation you have in your life. And if you don't have that revelation in your life, then your punishment in hell will not be as great as it will be if you have that revelation in life. Now, some people, they don't believe that. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, He that knew it to do good and did it not shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew it not to do good and did it not shall, shall be beaten with few stripes. Does that mean that I can be a good person and be saved? Nuh-uh. When you're not saved, you go to hell and you'll be there forever. But I want to tell you something. If you don't know that if it, it, it was an act of mercy that Jesus spoke in that manner so that when they stood before him at the white throne judgment, that he would not look at them and say you knew it and you didn't do it it was an act of mercy so the only thing that counted is that those that received this gospel that their eyes was opened up to it and those that seen it out after you have seen it then there comes a responsibility with it you cannot have freedom without responsibility you cannot have enlightenment you cannot have illumination. You cannot have revelation without responsibility. Uh, I, 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 now, the reason why I'm doing this, I'm in this so deep already, I don't know how to get out of it. Because this gospel is such a great thing, I can't explain it to you in 20 minutes. But I want you to understand what I mean when I say that revelation brings responsibility before we had a kidney dialysis machine when somebody's kidneys failed what happened they died but now we have the understanding in the revelation that those people can live without a kidney all they have to do is go in two or three times a week and get hooked up to the kidney dialysis machine now I want to tell you it is expensive to hook somebody up on a kidney dialysis machine it is terribly expensive 
But I want to tell you, since I know that I can save my mother with a kidney dialysis machine, and God forbid that this would ever happen, but I mean this with all of my heart, if her kidneys failed, do you think I'm going to stand by and watch her die when I have the understanding and the revelation that if I take her down to the hospital, if I have to be a pauper the rest of my life, if I have to work two or three jobs to do it, that I'm going to let her die? No way, my friend. I want to tell you, that's the greatness of the responsibility of this gospel. And some of us are lazy with that. There's our own family that's not saved. Our own children are not saved. Our parents aren't saved. And we have the key. Our city is not saved. And we have the key. And I'm going to tell you something. When we stand before God, we will be judged for that. I don't know about you, but I want you to understand that when I stand before God, I don't want people that are on their way to hell to look at me and say, I met you in the store, and you never told me one time about this Holy Ghost. I don't want a man looking at me with tears in his eyes and saying, my wife and I were still together, but we were going to get a divorce. And you stood right by me. And I heard you talking and I knew you was a Christian. And I heard you say something about you and your wife were fixing to get a divorce. And you come into the church and God saved you. And you never told that to me. You never said, I want to tell you, the responsibility of this gospel is great upon us when you come into the presence of the Holy Ghost it is the most precious thing that you can receive in your life which brings us to the next question why don't we tell people do I care if my kids go to hell would you sit there and watch them die of kidney poisoning? No, you wouldn't. Then how come you sit there and let them see that rot gut on a television? Of somebody else running around with somebody else's wife. L.A. Law. I don't have time to get into this tonight because this isn't my message. I'm going to preach on the gospel. But I, I just preached in California recently. I was preaching in a Royal Grande. And on the, I guess there is a soap opera that's called L.A. Law. A few weeks ago, there was the first public encounter of lesbianism that I know of on the soap opera L.A. Law. Two women standing there kissing and fondling each other. And you're sitting there. And you think that you can, you, you know something? I'm through with playing around about this gospel. Either you got enough guts to live for Jesus Christ and get that trash out of your house, or you don't. When a child, by the time the child is seven years old, he has, he has set in over 18,000 hours of blood and murder. He spends more time by the time that he reaches college. He has spent an average of 42 hours a week in front of a television. That's two more hours than he goes to school every week. I have the answer 
through the societal problems of America. But I don't believe there's a politician that's got enough guts to stand up and say it. If we kick that junk out of Hollywood, I know we can't siphon it. And I'm not against the freedom of the press. I appreciate America. But I want to tell you one thing. I don't have to bring that trash into my home. My house is a temple of the living God. I am the priest of my house. And I want to keep it pure and holy before God. If I kicked that television out of my house, I'd have a fit in my family. I want to tell you something. They may not even recognize it. You're trying to save their life. Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, I don't know why I'm saying that. But I'm saying that for the, to help some of you. This brings us to the question, why don't we tell people about this gospel? Why not, Sister Marty? Some of you young people going to college. How's come? High school. Why not? On the job. Why don't you? In the supermarket. Why not? At the mall. Why don't we? What is the problem? There can only be one problem. Shame. We do not really believe that this gospel will do what God's word said it'll do. What is the talent that Jesus Christ was talking about here? It was his grace. He gave to every man. Romans uh, chapter 10, I believe it is. He gave to every man the measure of faith. The Bible didn't say a measure of faith. He said the measure